Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. With the Signal 1 release of Red Rock West, I thought, instead of just giving you guys a little 30-second ad for it, I would uh, have a chat with some of the contributors to the special features on this disc. So we have Mark Searby. I would like to say hello, Mark. Hello. And we have Ian Schultz, who uh, wrote the booklet for this. Ian, uh, welcome back to the podcast. so yeah, I just wanted to basically with this chat, just give people, as Mark said off air, a, a behind the scenes to the behind the scenes. This is this is real meta. This is a layer beyond the layer. Um, so let me start with you. Like, when did you? Well, well, yeah. What was your first kind of uh, introduction to Red Rock West as a film? Um, I must have just it's like the combination of the actors, I guess, at some point. Uh, and I was like, oh, a film noir with well, neo noir western with Nicolas Cage and Dennis Hopper and uh, Linda, Laura Flynn Boyle. And I was like, sold. What about yourself, Mark? Did you see it on first initial release at all? Uh, I don't think I did, to be honest with you. I've got vague recollection of seeing it while I was at college um, when I was doing media studies. I Because th- where I went to college was in Nottingham. So there was a lot of. Uh, second run cinemas and uh, you know uh, ones that were showing older movies I have a vague recollection of going to see it then but I mean I that was late 90s and I don't think I had seen it since then if I I, I, I may be wrong in thinking this but probably didn't get a first run release here anyway in cinemas did it because it kind of no 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 no, it did it there's less like proper movie posters for it so i think in europe it did, what's a theatrical release ah it was america that was a bit more kind of yeah tumultuous yeah. like came to be in a tumultuous way right it was originally supposed to be a straight to vhs film and then the oh. rights got bought by somebody else and then kind of turned like kind of found its second life right like later on down the line yeah what happened was propaganda who financed it didn't really have much hope in it and then uh it was submitted to toronto i believe and then it um played really well there and i think it played in france as well by that point and it played really well and this guy in san francisco was like let's release it theatrically 
although it was had already been sold to HBO, and he was like, "So what? <laughs> it's a good film. I want to play it." <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, like almost like simultaneous release, like back back in the early nineties. Well, so, well, the same thing happened with Last Seduction as well. Yeah, seems to be seems to be the John Dar way. <laughs> um, Mark, so. Tell us how you got involved in this project. Like, what? Yeah, what? 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 What things on the disc can people find that you contributed to? Uh, so, I mean, just going back to it, I have done a few projects with Signal One in the past. So, I, I've done special features for Three Faces of Eve, uh, Halls of Montezuma, Let's Make Love, which is the Marilyn Monroe movie, uh, Hudson Hawk as well. So, you know, when Red Rock West first appeared on the schedule, I was like, well hold on a second, this is a Nicolas Cage movie. How uh, How is this on the schedule? You know, it's a bit weird. Um, and then we were just like, you know what, we should do something for this because you delve into it and realise, yes, there is a DVD out there. It's very expensive to buy because it's not pressed anymore. There's no Blu-ray apart from in Germany. And I thought, well, maybe we should put together some sort of package um, and see if we can throw some spe- new special features on there. I mean, granted, I think we all knew that the interview, an interview with Nicolas Cage was not happening at any point <laughs> soon. Um, so I just thought, you know what, let's see what else we can get. So through the process of months, I mean, putting this together has been months, probably even from the end of last year, really, is when I first started reaching out to a few people. So now we have a package which I think is really good, actually. You know, minus obviously having a Nicolas Cage interview, I think we've got a decent package here. So there are new interviews on here. Uh, There's a new interview with the director, John Dahl. There is a new interview with the editor, Scott Chestnut. And there is a new interview with actor Dale Gibson, who you see very early on in the film. And then there is also a new um, look at Nicolas Cage, but I'm going to let somebody else do that because somebody else is better (laughs) at it than me. So, uh, Ian, how did you become involved in this project? Like, what, what was the kind of, um, how, how did it all come to be? I, I can't remember what year it was. It, w- it was a long time ago. Um, I got in touch with James, who, who runs Signal One, um, who, and I was like, could I write a, write a booklet? And he was like, I don't, didn't have a track record writing booklets at that point. <laughs> and he basically was like, oh, and I was like, well, could I just write it? And if you like it, you could maybe use it. Worst case, I post it on my site, you know, or sell it to another site or whatever. So I wrote it, I think, two or three years ago, the booklet, when it was first announced. And then uh, I got kind of, I, I saw it was, it was announced that this was coming out. And I was like, oh, I did that booklet. Could that be included possibly, basically? <laughs> and then I had to cut it down a bit. But that's that's about it, basically. So so what like what had you just written it for Red Rock West not knowing that that was something on the docket? You just like no. I want to write something about this film, or did you no, it was a, know that it's a film I liked, but then I saw it was announced and I got in touch. So nice, 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 nice. Uh so yeah what can i don't know without kind of give yeah like what kind of things do you go into in, in your kind of like essay oh it's been a while since i have a quick look at it <laughs> <laughs> but um 
I mean, I go a lot into the history of the release of it. There's a show bit out, and that was more of that as well. That got cut down a bit. But this kind of its place in like um, sort of neo noir of the time. I mean, people always kind of think of, I guess, the Coen Bros and Tarantino from that period, who were both making, you know, essentially neo noirs for all kinds of purposes. But, um, John Dahl find- was definitely uh, may, may have made the most purists of neo noirs in many ways. So. I always find that kind of the 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 release of like Reservoir Dogs and kind of the ripping up of the rule book of like kind of how cinema would be throughout the nineties after that kind of not not I don't know like sidelined a film like this in a way. I think that's why it's kind of more of a cult film than it kind of like didn't get its just due at the time which is obviously not to say I, I, this is like uh, one of my favourite Nicolas Cage films like one of my favourite like early 90s movies I think it's just fantastic but yeah I always like uh, I think I've said it before on the, the, this here podcast when I spoke to Nick Helm about it and I said this is you, you don't get a, you really don't get a story like this anymore I think if this was made today and I imagine even by John Dahl would probably be made for made for a TV project. Like you could definitely see this being a uh, three part, six part miniseries. Do you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, I mean, let's look at his career. The guy hasn't made a film in fifteen years, mm-hmm. but as really great kind of high, stellar work high on end. TV, right? High end kind of yeah. Yeah, you, did you speak to did you speak to John Dahl about that in the interview at all, Mark? Uh, I did. Yeah, I mean the. <sighs> Obviously, we don't want to talk about what's given away in the interview because we want people to exactly, go and buy the exactly. Blu-ray and watch the Exactly, interview. exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 no, no, but no, just, I spoke to John for, oh, about an hour, something like that. And we just we just basically, we just went through the film and then some of his career as well. We were just chatting, really. I mean, towards the end, because obviously he, um, he directed some episodes of one of my favourite TV shows, Yellowstone, so we were talking about Yellowstone as well, and he was telling me about Taylor Sheridan because I'm a huge Taylor Sheridan fan as well. But he was just the nicest guy. That was the thing. You know, I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't expect that anyway. But, you know, you interview some people who are maybe a bit prickly, you know. Um, but he was brilliant. He was talking about uh, influences and loads of other stuff. And um, it was just a really nice interview where. It kind of felt, to be honest, it kind of felt like you were down the pub with somebody and you were just letting them go. <laughs> and I think that was the good thing about it. But yeah, John was great, really good. I mean, the interview, obviously, that's on the Blu-ray, I think has come out really well. I mean, we had to take quite a bit out as well mm-hmm. um, because, you know, as I said, we were talking for an hour, but we've kept in all of the good stuff. Basically, what's happened is we've taken all of my rubbish out and me fanboying <laughs> over Yellowstone and Taylor Sheridan and you know John Dahl working on some of the other TV shows and kept in John talking about Red Rock West, which is obviously the most important thing. Nice, nice. Um, so how did it kind of how how did yeah like the interviews go? Like in which order did you kind of nail it down each interview? Mark was it kind of one unlocked the other, or or, or was it was it an easy road to get all these interviews for this? It, <laughs> it was about 50-50. So Dale Gibson, who I interviewed, um, I found he now runs a ranch in California. Um, Lovely stuff. 
which you know it, it's fantastic um i found the ranch details uh online and sent an email in and dale replied back to me and i said to him honestly we will be 15 minutes and that's about it and he was like yeah absolutely so i got to speak to dale who has some really good stories especially about um uh, acting opposite Nicolas Cage and being picked up by Nicolas Cage as well. Yeah, I watched all the interviews before, and that was that was quite amusing. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Ian. I'm ple- please, somebody likes it. <laughs> um, so you're Ian's the only one of the three of us who's actually seen the. It's disc true. This point. Yes, <laughs> yes. Ian's going to have to rate it for us all. I'm afraid. Um, so that worked out nicely, and then I thought, well, we need we need somebody else. We need somebody else. You know, this is the thing. And by chance, I had noticed that Scott Chestnut, the editor, who was an editor, well, still is an editor of music videos, very popular music videos, and has worked with John Dahl a few times, had his own website. So I just thought, I'm just going to email and just say, look, I'm I'm working on this project with these people. Are you interested in an interview? Replies back, yeah, absolutely. And then it took us a good six to eight weeks to actually firm up a date and you know actually do the interview. Um, and it was really good. Um, Scott is very funny in the interview, I have to say. Um, I'm pleased with the way it's been edited, so you don't hear me laughing a lot, because he did make me laugh quite a lot. And then I kind of had no hope for interviewing John Dahl at all, to be honest with you, because there had, you know, trying to find his details online or who his agent is is really difficult. But because Scott has been a friend of his since school and they've worked together for so long... And I think because he'd had a nice time doing the interview with me, which yes. I guess is a positive, um, he said, oh, let me let me just text John. So he texted him while we were basically still chatting. <laughs> and um, then about a day later, I get an email from John Dahl to say, uh, my friend Scott has said, you're interested in interviewing me about Red Rock West. I'm in New York. I'm, may- I'm doing some TV at the moment. Um, but I'm back in a month's time. So I reply back to say, well, whenever you're back, if you've got time, we would love to chat. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And then it did take a while to get it firmed down with a date and technology caused an issue as well, both ends, Um, you know, (laughs) when a podcast doesn't go right and audio goes wrong, um, there was those things. Um, So it did take a long time. There were other people. I mean, I can tell you this now, actually, because obviously we're doing this. There was two other people I did speak to on email, and both of them were happy to do it, but I never heard back from them. Like, they sent me the initial email to say, we would love to do this, and then I never heard back from them again. Now, one of them was Bill Banning, who is the owner of the Roxy Cinema in San Francisco, who was the guy who was instrumental in basically... Um, plucking this movie from obscurity and playing it nonstop in his cinema on a loop almost for months on end, even though it was still playing on HBO Max or whatever channel it was being played on. It normal HBO back then. Thank you, Ian, just on HBO. So he was still playing it and he's like, because he saw it um, and said, no, we, we would still like to play it. So I would have loved to have interviewed Bill Banning. And I reply back to say, great, when can we set something up? And I never heard back, which was a huge shame. And then I also got in touch with one of the producers. Obviously, the movie's got like nine producers. Um, but one of the producers, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this name completely wrong. I'm just terrible at pronouncing certain names. But 
This is, uh, I believe it's pronounced Sigurdjohn Sivatsen. I believe that's right. Apologies if it's not. So he's in Hollywood. I found his company, emailed, and he replied back to say, uh, yes, this is me. I would be happy to do it. And I was like, great. This is, you know, this is somebody else who had produced John Dahl's previous work. So knew uh -huh. John Dahl as well and knew his work. I thought, this is great. This is fantastic. But never heard back again at all. And it was getting to the point where I thought, you know what, we're just going to have to cut these loose because I can't keep waiting and waiting because obviously, you know, behind the scenes, and I think this is part of the reason for the podcast is that it does take a while to get the, the extras put together. It takes a while to get the Blu-rays pressed up. They've got to be mm -hmm. formatted a certain way. And then obviously the printing as well, you know, in booklets as well. People just think that, oh, printing a booklet, nice and easy. It's not. It's all the other bits and sending over it's, the It's expensive. I mean, that was one of the, it was like last minute, the booklet. It was like basically, uh, we could probably do it, but we're not sure. And you've got to cut it down because we only can do X amount of pages with the budget we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing was, I had uh, for another Signal One Blu-ray, I had written something and done an interview with one of the actors. Uh, it was um, The Paper Chase, which has just come out on Blu-ray uh, by Signal One. And I had done so I had done a whole booklet for it. And then obviously, you know, money is tightened and everything else. And, and booklets are probably the most expensive thing to produce now as well, because it's an additional cost compared to putting something on a Blu-ray, you know, a video or an audio or something else like that. So to get a printed booklet as well nowadays is is quite rare, really, I think. Yeah, yeah. and you kind of see it across the board with... Well, uh, I, I, I assume I, I can probably say this. Um, uh, I heard that there was a booklet for the Hudson Hawk release that was cancelled because Sony didn't like what was said in it. <laughs> ah right you're gonna put me on the spot uh yeah you're absolutely right ian yes there was a yeah i i had written an entire booklet there was new interviews there was a new written piece by me as well and yeah um sony basically turned around and said you can't have any of this at all it was reportedly too negative is what dan's waters said Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, is the answer. Um, is the short answer. I would love to tell you more about it, but honestly, it's just it's just pointless. But yeah, basically, Sony turned around and and bin the whole thing off um, because they felt it was too negative, even though it wasn't negative at all. Um, all of the new interviews were very much like, well, the film has found its audience now. People like it. It's a quirky action movie. And the piece that I had written about it was, yes, there was problems and whatever else, et cetera, but actually it's now found its audience and people around the world love Hudson Hawk, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, Sony, who, every, this is another thing that people probably don't realize is that a lot of things have to go back to the studio to be checked and gone through lawyers and everything else like that. So Sony turned around and said, no, sorry, you can't use any of this. So um, yeah, it was it was too negative um, for for oh. any of it. So yeah, Dan Dan Waters was right, and I interviewed Dan Waters for the booklet, and he was brilliant. But this is another thing: is that you do all of these special features, 
and it's great and you think oh this, this is this is good i like this and then all of a sudden you get told no sorry you can't have anything at all that is that is interesting because i said some really liable things in my uh, <laughs> in my no, i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> obviously yeah obviously i did contribute to and this, this a sony well. film, so sorry sony it's a universal film. Oh, we're, we're oh okay, okay. I think. we're maybe, fine. Maybe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I say tons of liable. Uh, which I was gives thinking because I, that... I think the DVD was Sony originally here, and now Universal owns it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I I am featured on this disc as well, which like gives me a chance to publicly say this. I've probably I've probably messaged Mark this uh, tons of times saying thank you, but I'll, I'll say it on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I I randomly got a phone call, a message saying, "Can I call you?" And I, I like normally when people say that, I'm a bit skeptical. But when <laughs> Mark's like, "There's something, something exciting," and then said, "Would you be up for doing a special feature on the Red Rock West release?" And I, as somebody who countlessly, you could probably check back through my Twitter and see me champion this film and kind of say like when's this getting a boutique blu-ray release like when, like when when's this getting a release in the uk to be for this to be the first ever feature like the, yeah first ever feature i've got to do for a, for a disc is mind-blowing and uh i think you sent me yesterday just yesterday mark at the time recording or a couple of days ago a review <laughs> a review of this release and um the, the the quote I picked out and I think will be chiseled onto my headstone is it says uh, funny and irreverent uh, in regards to my video essay, which I think that the Simon Kennedy right. review, possibly yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Who I, I'm not in touch with, but he said nice things about me, so I have met him. <laughs> I mean, we just we just hope that you know all of the stuff that we've put together, me, Petros, Ian, people like. That's the thing. And it's for a film that all three of us really like as well. Mm-hmm. I think Petros probably the most. Um, but it's the fact I, that... I like, I like it quite a lot. It's probably my favourite Nicolas Cage performance. But this is the thing, is that this is a discussion that certainly Petros and I have had as well, Ian, is that, you know, it is up there. Regardless of whatever you think about, you know, 90s Nicolas Cage being an action hero and then leaving Las Vegas and then his B-movies and his subsequent uh, renaissance over the past year it's still top i think most people would say top 10 probably most people would say top five because it is something different i think that's the and thing about and he it. does it go particularly over the top there's like one or two moments where he was like uh the, this line about mexico is a bit of this classic sort of cage rage but besides that he's pretty pretty subdued in the whole thing yeah, it's something I obviously won't talk about it too much, but I talk about that kind of phenomenon of Nicolas Cage and something I've kind of coined on the podcast is earned freakouts. And I think this is like the prime example of times when he gets a chance to do those big, loud line deliveries, but they feel earned within the context of the film. Like there's other films where it just feels like a director doesn't quite know what to do with him and it's just kind of like, yeah, we'll do. We'll we'll, do, we'll just we won't do any more takes. Like not not like maybe not. That's probably more of the kind of straight to VOD fare that he's put out. Whereas this, like, I'm sure the situation that he's in, him shouting "fuck Mexico," feels very earned because of the kind of like 
tumultuous times he's been put through by Lara Flynn Boyle's character and uh, yeah, and JT Walsh's character. So yeah, I will defend that line to the hilt. I think it's an earned. I think <laughs> Mexico. I think there is. You can easily make some sort of direct correlation between the Rage Cage years, which you know I probably guess was still going on to the 1990s shouty Al Pacino years, and yet then you have the 70s Al Pacino years compared to the Nicolas Cage 1990s years, um, where you have them doing very different things that are not all the same. So, you know, as I said, Cage, Con Air, but then Leaving Las Vegas, Red Rock West, all very different movies. Pacino, The Godfather. Is it his film after this, Deadfall? Same year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is like the most out of the world, insane Nicolas Cage performance of all time. And 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 he's directed by his brother, who probably isn't as kind of hard on him mm. as a director who doesn't know him that well. Like not, not that that film is fascinating and amazing in its own way. Uh, and yeah, I know that Christopher Coppola has listened to this podcast. So Chris, if you're listening, please come on. And, and we all <laughs> like that film. It's it's a very special yeah. film in our hearts. Mm. Yes, of course, of course. So, um, yeah, as we start to like wind things down, um, what what kind of I don't know if people are kind of on the fence listening to this, never seen Red Rock West because obviously this is the perfect opportunity for people to now watch it, especially here in the UK. If you're listening, and I know, obviously, none of us have any involvement in it, but I think it's recently been announced as well that it's getting a Blu-ray release in the States as well. So obviously it'll give people a chance there. Is that Kino? I'm not really too sure. I've seen it announced on like one of those Twitter pages, like just the discs or something like that. And It it feels like it would be something Kino would definitely do. Yeah, but at the moment hasn't been announced who's putting out just says it's coming, like everything's TBC with that one. But what kind of films would you kind of say would be if you send this? Well, obviously, like, if you you've seen enjoy. Last Seduction um, and Kill Me Again, most I think most people probably have seen Last Seduction, which uh, is probably his second best, and people probably would say is, is his best film. Uh, although I'm sure the twist in that film probably wouldn't play as well in some audiences. Uh, and then obviously all the Tarantino stuff, stuff like the the Grifters, uh, the James Foley stuff from that time, like After Dark, My Sweet, and uh, the that close range. Uh, but yeah, if you like film noir and neo noir stuff, I'm sure you'd probably get kick out of it. What about you, Mark? Any kind of recommendation? I mean, it's really difficult to top what Ian has said there, really. He's hit the nail on the head many times. I mean, the closest I would say is some of the stuff that Tarantino did, you know, True Romance, I would say, something like that. Um, But yeah, anything neo-noir, which obviously is a very small genre these days, unfortunately. Um, Well, it's all on TV. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The best neo-noir is now on TV. But let's be honest, most of the best stuff now is on TV anyway. And obviously that's where John Dahl is working his best magic nowadays. Um, Can't get a film made, but is instead making some amazing TV. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Ian's completely right in the films that he's yeah. he's chosen there. And, and maybe the uh, Drew Barrymore Gun Crazy remake, uh, well, quasi-remake, which is what kind of, is why Red Rock West got a release, because that was the first film that he used as a, that was, that was on TV 
uh, the the distributor guy in San Francisco, he he plucked out of out that out of obscurity and that played for like six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which is not yeah, a great just, film, but it's not a bad film by any stretch. And I would definitely say, like, kind of, I don't know, if you're a fan of, uh, like, the Coen Brothers, like, there's very much like the, especially like Blood Simple. Even I don't know, it, <laughs> even like uh, Raising Arizona, even though like this is not like uh, that comedic, like Red. I mean, I, I've, I've always said all of the Coen Brothers films are crime films. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a nice correlation between, like, especially those two towards Red Rock West. So I think if you kind of, you like what the Coen well, Brothers Well, I, I noticed that uh, the new Beverly uh, recently, Nicolas Cage, programmed two films, and it was Red Rock West and Bringing Out the Dead as Double Bill. Oh, man, I love Bringing Out the Dead. It was released here in the UK on my birthday, and I went to see it on my birthday, and Everybody who came with me thought I was absolutely mental for going to see this movie. <laughs> um, that, that's the that, that's the next one that needs a heavy. It, it does. Uh, You're right. Absolutely. For, 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 but for it's a, Disney. Uh, really. It is. Yes, yeah, it's Disney. So, so. Well, well, when I, I interviewed a film with Shoemaker once, and I asked, you know, what do you think is like the great unsung Scorsese film, and she singles out Bringing Out the Dead. Hmm. Right. Yeah, it's like a it's like a quasi sequel to well, like a tonal sequel to Taxi Driver, right? It's kind of well, Paul Schrader wrote back. the script, so yeah. So I mean, it's, it's those two guys back together. It's about a guy. It's both about a guy kind of struggling in inner city New York. He's a night like, in different ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we could talk about other great Nicolas Cage films uh, for hours, but. Yeah, thank you both for joining me for this conversation. Just just kind of get the word out about this. Um, so, Mark, where can people keep up to date with you, whether it's more releases or reviews and stuff like that? Where's best to find you? Uh, so I'm online. So MarkSearby.com is my website. It's a static website. It's just got stuff that uh, I've done through the years. Um, I'm on Twitter, Mark underscore Searby, um, and then also on the radio here in the UK, BBC Northampton on a Sunday, BBC Suffolk on a Saturday, as well doing the weekly film reviews. Um, and then obviously doing some extras from time to time for Signal One as well. We've got some stuff in the pipeline that uh, hopefully will be released. As Ian said, some stuff was cancelled, um, but hopefully this stuff won't be because it's not Sony. So we're fingers crossed for it. Nice. And what about yourself, Ian? Where can people keep uh, up to date? I'm on you're Twitter doing? under Psychotronic Cinema. I think it's Psychotronic CI1 or whatever. Uh, I've got my own site called Psychotronic Cinema. I've just started doing stuff for Film Hounds magazine. I did an interview with John Waters. It's actually in print. So you can buy for a fiver. Well, he says my parents are, were very t- transgressive. Which is <laughs> saying something uh, from John Waters. Uh, and I do stuff for like D movies. Those are the kind of the two main places besides my place at the moment. Amazing. Well, yeah. Uh, before before we go, there's one one thing I have to say to people who are listening: go out and buy a copy of Red Rock West uh, out now on Signal One. It's uh, it's as I said, I haven't got the physical disc here, but from 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 knowing the film, from knowing what I've contributed to, to, to contributed to it, I'm very proud of the video essay I did considering again we could probably get into the whole kind of tumultuous nature of that coming to be <laughs> there was supposed to be like uh, <laughs> some stuff to camera there was like I, I literally had to figure out how to how to edit so this is yeah this is kind of my debut 
of doing a video essay as well as kind of editing it, making sure it's in the right file formats to be included on a Blu-ray disc. I was kind of, there was a lot of, uh, a lot more hair before I started, uh, before I started this journey to being on this disc. But yeah, make sure you go out and uh, get, get yourselves a copy because it's a great, it's a great release. It is. And you both did really good jobs. Thanks, Ian. That's much appreciated. That's very kind. I'm looking forward to reading your work as well. Um, that's I'll, that's the I'll, one thing I I'll, haven't read. That's the thing. You know, I've I've heard the commentary, which is on the track, by the way. It's an old commentary. I've seen, obviously, all of the, the subsequent material as well. I've seen the film about several times now. The only thing I have not seen is your writing. So I'm looking forward to getting a copy. Well, I'll, I'll send you both a copy of the booklet. Oh, I like a promo. I do. Oh, lovely, lovely. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me and, yeah, just having a little peek behind the curtain with this release. Thanks, Petros. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.